welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning and welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited at Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, a couple people. Okay, I've already heard of Chiefs over here. Um, I see some of you are repping some, some gear, some clothing. And so I actually chose to, to not put a football shirt on, but a football shirt on, if you know what I'm saying, um, because the Columbus Crew are champions two out of the past four years. And so it's exciting to have a team in our backyard that is successful. And as an NFL fan, um, a Browns fan that I am, uh, I have not seen a lot of that success. We had a good year. I can't say a whole lot of things, but not Super Bowl year. And so I do this every single year. So tonight is Super Bowl, I think it's 58. We have the Kansas City Chiefs playing the San Francisco 49ers. And I, I have to do this poll every year. Who is rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs tonight? Raise your hand. I know where's James James Ford in the back there. Got a couple hands out. Okay, all right. A, a boo or two. Okay, um, some animosity, I understand. Um, and then and what about who are the San Francisco 49ers fan? Who are you rooting for? A couple back here, a few. Okay, all right, all around. All right, now this, there were a good amount of hands that went up, but not a lot. How many of you are hoping that Jesus comes back before the game? Neither of those teams can win a championship. Okay, a lot of hands, a lot of hands are going up. How many of you didn't even know the Super Bowl was tonight? You know, usually a few hands go up. Yep, yep. Always, always hurts my feelings, but that's okay. I understand. Uh, but today, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, we just like to have a little bit of fun. And we typically have a message kind of associated with football or sports or something like that. If you remember the past two years, um, two years ago we talked about having to be a yard short in life. You know what happens when we mess up, we fall short. We talked about the story of Samson. Last year we talked about, uh, it's called the Hail Mary. And no, we're not Catholic or anything like that. But what happens when you're throwing up a miracle prayer to God, you know? We talked about Elijah on Mount Carmel calling for God to meet them there in that moment. And today I want to take a, a different approach. I want to look at the concept of the underdog. Today's message is called the underdog mentality. And when you think about underdogs, you can think about a lot of different things. I want you to know that if you're rooting for the, the Kansas City Chiefs tonight, you're rooting for the underdogs, which sounds weird, right? Um, because you don't typically think of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as the underdogs, but that is technically, I believe, true. Um, and, and so maybe when you think of underdog, you think of a couple uh, different things. Look at this, this first one here. We have, anybody remember the cartoon underdog? There's nothing, nothing to fear, underdog is here, right? That was, Scott was saying that was one of his favorite cartoons growing up. Uh, or maybe you're familiar with the, the movie American Underdog, right? That came out a few years ago. It's a story uh, of Kurt Warner, who went from working at a, a grocery store to becoming a Super Bowl champion. It's a great story. Or maybe if you're a real one, and you remember 90s Christian music, you might remember this picture, this next picture right up here. Does anybody remember this? No one remembers this. Audio Adrenaline Underdog. Oh my goodness, my heart, my heart hurts from that. It was one of the first CDs I had. Okay, okay, do yourself a favor. When you leave today and you need some music to pump yourself up when you go, as you're going home, turn on the first song, Mighty Good Leader, Audio Adrenaline Underdog. You, you'll thank me later, okay? It's a great album. Man, I hope Second Service is more saved than you guys because, uh, just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Today we're looking at the mentality of an underdog. And so some of these different things that I think about 
and I think about underdog, as a kid, I actually, I wanted to be the underdog. I thought that was a cool thing. Like, I'm the underdog. They're like, yeah, that means no one believes you're going to win. I'm like, oh, that's not, that doesn't feel great. That's not what I meant by that. I meant that I want to be, I'm always rooting for the underdog, right? You turn on a game, and you're like, who's supposed to win? Who's the underdog? Okay, I'll root for the underdog. I'll root for the little guy. And so if we think about the mentality of an underdog, I don't think there's a better story that we could go to than David versus Goliath. As it's, it's even a concept you can hear in sports today, right? You'll turn on the, the broadcaster saying, we've got a real David versus Goliath type of game here ahead of us. The story of an underdog. Uh, a lot of times we all battle this mentality of, I'm the underdog. I can't win. I feel defeated. Oh, why do we feel these, way, these things? Why do we feel this way? And how does God call us to go beyond that underdog mentality? That's, that's not from God. We know that, right? God does not give us an underdog mentality. So how can we strengthen ourselves in what God has said? So we're going to be looking at one of the most epic battles in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you've got your Bible, you can go to 1 Samuel 17. If you don't, don't worry. We've got it on the screen for you. I also want to encourage you, if you love a, a sermon outline, we have an outline for you on the uh, Church Center homepage, as well as the YouVersion Bible app. If you search the gathering on the YouVersion Bible app, you will find us. Uh, let's read together these first four verses of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah. They drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. We're going to stop there. So here we're just kind of setting up the story. It's the Philistines against the Israelites. It's one of the greatest rivalries in the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's, you know, for us today, it's whatever you want to fill in the blank. Yankees, Red Sox, right? Uh, it's it's um, Bears, Packers, it's Celtics, Lakers, whatever. I would say Buckeyes, Michigan, but that just doesn't, that doesn't feel right this year. Uh, so I wanna, I'm hoping next year, next year I can focus on that. Uh, but whatever it is, it's that rivalry times a thousand, because these two are actually fighting to kill one another, uh, not just a, a friendly competition. Um, but both sides here, they draw up lines for battle, wanting to destroy the other. But there's a different, there's a new, unique setting to this battle. It's not just both armies going at each other to fight. They've decided on agreement that they would both put a champion out there, a person who would go and fight on behalf of the entire uh, camp, and the winner of that battle, they would honor that agreement, and, and one side would become the slaves to the other, to the winners. It was a way that this would cut out some of the bloodshed. It, it would just kind of um, make it more efficient, really, between two different soldiers fighting each for their side of the battle. So both sides drew up the battle lines, and, and all of a sudden, out of the Philistine camp comes the man named Goliath. Right, we, we've heard the story that this was a, a giant of a man, probably around nine feet tall, extremely tall, and not just tall and, and, and scrawny, he was tall and he was built, okay? He was a freak of nature. 
We, we see from the, what the Bible says, he was between his armor and his weapons, it probably weighed somewhere around 150 to 200 pounds that he was holding on his body, on his armor, or in his weapons. This man was built. And as you can imagine, any person, any normal person that would come out of the Israelite camp would be an underdog in this situation. And so Goliath is standing in the valley and he's waiting. And then the story kind of pauses and it shifts away from that camp to David. David, on the other hand, was tending his father's flock. He was the youngest of eight sons. And he was asked by his father to go and visit his older brothers who were at the camp. And this is what happens when David goes. Uh, look at verse 20. It says, David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a, with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse, his father, had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. So David goes out to meet his brothers. He expects to see, you know, this, this battle taking place, this war between the Philistines and the Israelites. But all he sees is this giant of a man coming out of the Philistines camp and taunting, defying the Israelites and their God. And I love that simple last phrase that we say. It says, David heard him. It doesn't just mean that he heard him with his ears. It, it heard him with his heart. He said, I hear the things that you're saying, the slander against my people and against my God. And he took this insult and he took it personally. He took it personally. This shame, it wasn't just the Philistines taunting. There was shame when you're losing, when you're being taunted and, and you can't do anything about it. There was the shame that was being impressed on the people. And so David takes this and, and he begins with this helpless. The brothers, he says, who, who, what can you do to fight this? He says, what will be done for the man who kills Goliath? And so he says this with a, a level of confidence. A confidence that his brothers did not enjoy. His brother said this in verse 28. said, Eliab, the eldest brother, when he spoke to the men, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Eliab thinks that he knows David. He thinks he knows why David is there and why he's asking what will be given to the man who kills Goliath. But he's wrong. He, he's underestimating David. There could have been any number of reasons why Eliab was angry at David. We're not exactly sure. Maybe, maybe it's simply that he was looking down on David because he was the youngest one. And who is he to talk to us and tell us what should happen or who is going out there to, to fight them? Maybe it's, it's that he thought David was full of pride. Remember, he says, your heart is evil. 
Can you imagine saying that to David at this point? David is completely blameless. He is holy in this situation. Maybe it was a, a feeling of conviction that Eliab felt like, I can't believe my youngest brother is telling me all these things and I'm too afraid to go out there and, and fight this enemy. Whatever it was, Eliab assumed that he knew David. He assumed that he knew David's heart and motives. You know, sometimes we're labeled an underdog in life. Number one, it's because we become a dog of doubt. The dog of doubt. Eliab had sized up David, and he assumed he understood David. He, he believed the worst about David. He thought he was trying to stir someone else up to fight Goliath so that maybe David could just watch the battle. But whatever it is, doesn't it hurt when people make assumptions about us? You're like, wait, you, you don't even know, you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. And it's even worse when it's the people that are supposed to be closest to us. This is David's own brother. And yet his own brother is choosing not to believe the best about David, believing that he's got pride, evil in his heart. It hurts when our own family, people that are the closest to us, say things that cut us, that, that cause doubt in our life. Now, I was thinking about the message that my dad preached last week. Wasn't that such a good word? Did that help anybody? Amen. <laughs> if you missed it, I encourage you to go back. But he talks about not every thought that you have is your thought. What he meant by that was that we, we receive thoughts from different parts of our life. One of them is we receive thoughts because of what other people have said to us. Another one is we receive thoughts from the enemy. And then we think that that, our, that was our thoughts, right? And we begin to get convicted and it's like, no, 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 you didn't think that. The enemy did. You're just holding on to it right now. And there was a great prayer time at the end last week where people came down and we would go praying from person to person. And we weren't asking their business to, to share what they're going through. But you could sense there was a burden. There was a weight for the people that were coming up here that maybe someone years ago had said something that hurt them, that damaged them, and they had been holding on to that for so long. And I believe in Jesus' name that people were freed last Sunday morning, amen? That minds were delivered, strongholds were broken because God was on the move. But remember, it is always our decision to hold on or to let go. And it's a challenging thing, but we need to let go of the doubts, of the assumptions that people have made about us. Maybe you're dealing with some battles in your life where people have looked at you and they've made assumptions and they've begun to doubt you. Maybe you've heard things said to you like, you can't keep a job, you're, you're not good enough. You, know, you can't lose that weight, you're, you're not good enough. You, you can't get a date, you're not good enough. You can't get those kids of yours to behave well because you're not good enough of a parent, right? You, we think these things. They don't come from God. They're not thoughts that he has asked us to entertain. We have to be willing to let go of the doubts of others. David's brothers doubted him, but they weren't the only ones. Word spread to the camp that there was a, a man in the camp, a boy in the camp, who was saying, what will be done for the man who kills Goliath? Word spread to King Saul, and this is, so Saul brings him to himself, and this is what David says to King Saul, verse 32 and 33. It says, David said to Saul, 
let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and will fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. He has been, been a man of war from his youth. King Saul tells David flat out, you are not able to do this. It's not, oh, you, you might have a small chance, small chance. There's no, there's no way. It's not happening. You can't do this. Where would we be in life if we always listened to the doubts that came into our mind? Where would we be if we listened to the doubters instead of listening to God? David would have listened to his, what if David listened to his brothers or King Saul? And he just stepped away from the responsibility. The Israelites would have remained in a stalemate. They would have remained stagnant in their life if they had stayed where they were. I'm asking you, would you take a risk? Would you step up to what God is calling you to do? And I'm not talking to take a, a risk in just everything in life. I'm saying what God calls you to do, okay? Don't go out there and say, Matt told me to take a risk, so I'm going to rob this bank and see what happens. That is not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> I'm saying when it aligns with the will of God, be willing to take chances in your life. There are challenges out there that we are ready to face, and if God gives you the green light, you should do it. You should start that business, you should write that book. You should write that song. You should ask that person out. You should take that job offer. If God is calling you to do it, do not allow doubt to hold you back. You look at yourself as an underdog because you're listening to the doubts of other people. Even though Saul did not believe that David could kill Goliath, he still gave David permission to try. And he gave him his armor, and David tried it on. It was too big. He said, no, 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 this is not how I, can, how I can fight. I can't fight in this. He says, I'll choose my own set of weapons. I'm going to choose the same things that God used to kill a bear and a lion. I'm going to continue to use those. And that could be a whole sermon right there about using what God has put in your hand instead of looking to other things to conquer things. But we're not going to go there today. But that could be another message. But David knew not to rely on other things but what God has already been using. And so now David, at the, here he approaches Goliath. And let's read what happens next, starting in verse 41. It says, The Philistine moved forward, came near to David, with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. We have an underdog mentality because of the doubt that people bring on us, but it's also because the enemy is trying to push fear into us. We're a dog of doubt and we're a dog of dread. Number two, a dog of dread. We're an underdog because people doubt us and because we believe the fear that the enemy is imposing on us. Now, Goliath was obviously a physical, a very real enemy for David. 
But I believe for you and me, he symbolizes the spiritual enemy that we go against every day. You know, Goliath hated the Israelites. The devil hates the people of God. Goliath wanted to kill. He wanted to destroy David. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This symbolizes a spiritual enemy. And Goliath, he feels that they're not taking his threat very seriously, that they would send a young boy in there to fight him. He says, am am I a dog that you could fight me with sticks? Ironic, because we're talking about the underdog here today. But Goliath comes at him, and he's pretty good at trash talk. Do you notice that? I think in your life, in the spiritual life, the enemy's always good at trash talk, but he can never put up. He, He hides behind his words. But when you're willing to actually step into that ring with God, things change. He doesn't want to see you step in. He wants to hold you back and remain in the mentality that you are an underdog. That's how Satan gets it. Doubt wants to keep you where you're at by believing you can't succeed. And fear wants to keep you thinking, what would happen if I fail? Two different tactics to keep you standing back from the line of battle. What would happen if David had listened to his brother? If he had listened to Saul? If he had listened to Goliath and backed away? Israel would still not have won the battle that God wanted them to win. Goliath would have, maybe eventually someone would have stepped up to the plate. Maybe someone would have nervously, weakly, not trusting a God, gone up there and got destroyed by Goliath. Maybe Goliath would have eventually attacked the Israelite army. I don't know what would happen. But I think that Goliath, and I think our enemy today, enjoys us staying stuck behind the line. Goliath enjoyed filling the Israelites with dread. That that thought of what if, right? It so quickly comes to our mind, what if the job doesn't work out? What if No one likes my work. What if they don't want to listen to me when I try to talk to them about God? What if the procedure fails? Let me ask you another what if question. What if the opportunity becomes a success? What if the work impacts and touches lives that you do? What if someone's soul is changed because you stepped out in faith? What if the procedure helps you to get your life back? These are the questions we should be asking, but we're so focused on what could go wrong. We're so focused on the potential failure. Don't allow dread to keep you from stepping into the battle. Instead, I want you to get restless staying behind the enemy's line. Because David only had to hear it one time. It says, I've heard him, and now I'm going to go do something about it. Do you know Goliath had been going out there every single day? They they estimate he had been going out, walking out every day for 40 days. Can you imagine being an Israelite hearing that over and over and over again and being too afraid to move forward? And so David, he's looked around the camp. He saw no one that wanted to fight Goliath. So he goes up there. Goliath attempts to intimidate him and scare David. But this is how David responds. Look at verse 45. 
It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The Lord, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. David had heard the doubts. He had felt the threat of fear, and he knew that all considered him to be an underdog with no shot of winning. They were so focused on David, they were focused on his intent and his pride and his stature and his weapons. They were looking only at his physical appearance, and they saw an underdog, no chance to win. But David knew he had something greater, that sometimes we're a dog of doubt we're a dog of, of shame and dread, but we're also a dog with a defender. We're a dog with a defender. Everyone else looked at David as an underdog, but that is not how David saw himself. Because God knew, God knew he was going to defeat Goliath. Look at the language all throughout that, that passage, right? How many times does David acknowledge who's going to win the battle? He never says, I'm going to win the battle. He says, the Lord will deliver you into our hands. He said, the Lord is the one who saves. He said, the battle is the Lord's. David knew he had a defender. He knew he was not relying on his own strength, his own skill, his own wit. He was simply putting himself in a position to partner with God. From physical, from, from looking at it, it, it looks like an underdog story, but in reality, David never looked at himself as an underdog. He went in knowing that he could win because he knew that God was his defender. He believed he was going to win. David went into the fight, and he knew the battle wasn't his. It belonged to God. I think sometimes we forget who gives us the victory. We forget that we think it's all on our own. It's all about our own ability, but it is the God. It is our God who gives us the victory. I want to make sure we know this. In all parts of life, it is God who establishes. It is God who beats alcoholism. It is God who defeats cancer. It is God who breaks addictions. It is God who raises soul from death to life. It is God who can overcome, overcome a diagnosis. And that God wants to bring you a victory if you will partner with him. And I have to be careful here. You see, we know that God can save. So if God can save, why didn't he choose to simply wipe out Goliath on his own? Why didn't God just send lightning from heaven and just take down Goliath? Why didn't he send fire from heaven to devour Goliath? It's because God is looking for people on the earth that are willing to partner with him to see breakthrough take place in the earth. It's not because of us. We're simply a willing vessel. And God was looking for that day. He was looking for a champion. 
You might be saying, Matt, I thought God is the champion. He is. He is the champion. He is the defending champion. We sang this morning, you are my champion. That is absolutely true. But he's also looking for champions in each one of us. You see, there's a difference between his championship and ours. He already won. You know, when you hear someone say, the defending champion, and they go out and they defend the belt, I want you to know that God will defend it all day long and he will never, ever lose. But he's calling you and me to be a champion. And I want to define what champion means for you and me. Because typically we think of champion, it means it's the strong person, it's the victor, it's the one who wins, right? That, that's true. There's actually three times in this passage in 1 Samuel 17 that the word champion is used. All of them are talking about Goliath. The third time that the word champion is used, it's used with the definition of the strong man. It's actually when David goes and cuts off the head of the champion, Goliath. But the other two times, the first two times, it's used with a different meaning. Go go back to the beginning, what we first read this morning. Read verse 3 and 4 again. It says, the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. All right, so let's just, let's use this as an illustration, right? We've got the Philistines over here. They have drawn up a line for battle. You've got the, the Philistines and the Israelites over here. They've drawn up a line for battle. And Goliath has now, from the Philistine camp, he has stepped out into this space. And when it uses the word champion the first two times in that chapter, it's a different Hebrew word. It means a person who steps into the space between the two armies. So we're not a champion in the sense that we're the strong one, we're the winner. It's God. We live all of our our life in victory through him. But we are called to step into this space in between the battles and advocate and fight for what God has called us to do. That's how we are a champion. Because God is the undisputed champion. He's defending champion for all of eternity. And he's calling us to step in and fight and be a champion because we're not an underdog. Because God plus you changes everything. God plus you changes a minority into the majority. God plus you changes an impossible situation and makes it possible. God plus you changes you from an underdog to a champion. We don't have to have an underdog mentality when God goes with us. And he is calling us to step up and be a champion. In fact, God has not once in your life, called you an underdog. He's not once called you incapable. Anyone who remains in God is capable and strong. And he calls you that before you even deserve it. He called me, praise God, he called that over me before I deserved to be called that. He called that of Gideon. He said, you're a mighty man of valor. When he was the youngest in his whole family and all of Israel before he had even won one battle. He said that to Joshua. He said, be strong and courageous before they even went in to try to take over the promised land. He said over, over Peter that you will build his church and the, on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against you before he had even made one decision. It was actually before he denied Christ. He spoke these things over him. These are the words that God says over you. He calls you the head and not the tail. 
He calls you his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I wonder if the church is ready to quit believing the fear and the doubt and start believing that he's called you to step between the lines and go to war. No, you don't have a physical war, but you've got giants that you face every day. You've got impossible situations that seem too big for you, but you've got a defending champion with you. And he is calling you to stand up. Would you stand to your feet? Uh, If I could have Brent and Audrey come up as we close here today. I wonder today if there are some champions who will be willing to step into the space of battle and pray and intercede for their loved ones who don't have a relationship with God. I wonder if there are some champions who will step into the space of battle and pray and intercede believing for a miracle of healing, for restoration in a family and a marriage, for finances and provision. I wonder if there's a champion who knows that their God is with them. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we are more than conquerors in Christ. As we close today, I want to give you a chance to step up and be a champion. I want to continue the response time that my dad started last week. And if you're here and you've been struggling with doubt and fear, and it's been holding back your mind captive that you can't win, that you can't succeed in life, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to pray for you, and I want to pray for one other group of people. That maybe some of you have been stepping into that battle, and you feel like you've been struggling. You've been faithful at certain times, and you felt weak in other times. And today, you just want to recommit and say, I will stand in the gap. I will stand in that space and battle and pray and wait for the Lord and worship and believe that God will see a breakthrough, that God will do a breakthrough. And so right now, they're just going to lead us in a soft song of worship, singing that you are my champion. And if that's you, if you would come forward, I'd love to pray with you today. to receive it so let
Every one. 
Take a minute and just close your eyes. I want you to ask God, or maybe you're already aware of this. Think about what is the greatest battle that you're facing right now? What is the hardest thing that you're going through? The thing that causes the doubts and the fears and the what ifs. Whatever that thing is, that circumstance, that person, whatever, it is nothing compared to the power of our God. He is the champion. And he's calling you out of fear and doubt today. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's what you receive as a child of God. So God, we thank you that we get to call on your name. Right now, we speak to the doubts. We speak to the fear. We speak to the giant. Because when I open up my mouth, miracles break forth when I call on the name of the Lord. When we realize that it's his battle and not mine. So right now, God, we're asking for you to move in healing and breakthrough and victory. The battle belongs to you, God. You are our champion. You are our defender. And I believe together as we've gathered and people have stepped forward and said, I've been struggling or I'm standing in the gap for someone who's going through something, that we would see a move. We would see you at work in our situations. God, we thank you. We worship and we celebrate you today and we claim the victory through you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you believe God has claimed the victory, would you clap your hands, would you praise him one more time? Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.